Welcome to Born to Watch, where three old mates, an ex-video shop owner, an industry insider, and a black belt in 80s kung fu movies, put their mastery to the test on movies that change the world. Hey there, fellow watchers. It's that time of the week again, and it's a special time. It's our 50th episode, and what we thought we'd do is something a little different for this one, and you guys can get to know us a little bit more. So we're going to reveal our top 10 favorite movies of all time. This should be very, very interesting. We've all got three very different tastes in movies, but I think there may be a few that cross over. Gao, welcome to the 50th. Awesome. I'm looking forward to this episode. This is really good. Although I've got to tell you that it's really hard to narrow it down to 10 and then even harder to try and put it in order on it. So I'm going with the disclaimer that these can change around <laughs> and, and things might move around as we go through the episode. Well, I think I think it's quite fluid. I think in general our yeah. list would be quite fluid. Uh, and de- I definitely say there's going to be some crossover. No without doubt. a doubt. Morgs is big on the crossover. And up there, and I'll tell you what, he's on tour. His boy's on tour. He's in the back of his car. He's uh, looking a treat in a beanie. Dan on uh, on tour. How are you, mate? It's fucking freezing in New South Wales. Well, that's why you moved away. That's it. Oh, I don't know why it's uh, so cold down here, but uh, we we just wear sluggos surfing up in <laughs> fabulous Queensland, and my balls still get sweaty when I surf up there in in sluggos. So it's been a bit of a shock uh, down on the mid mid north coast. Yeah, I'm actually sitting in Southwest Rocks at the moment because they've got the best. Uh, Broadband from Telstra, and uh, yeah, bringing 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 the love from uh, from from Southwest Rocks. We never stop. That's what we do for our fans. We just never stop. We never take a week off, although some try. So here we go. What we're going to do? We're going to start from number ten. We're going to start with Dan. He's going to give us our his number ten. He's going to tell us why. He's going to give us a little bit about it. We may critique it. May tell him that we don't agree or not agree or do agree. Anyway, Dan, you want to take us away with your number 10? Yeah, I'd like Gao said, this is fucking hard. And uh, I, I'm suffering massively from recency bias, I think, with a lot of my picks. So I, you could, my 10 would change tomorrow and the next day and the next day and 10 years ago. So as an exercise, it was great to go back and actually think, what are my favourite films? But yeah, super difficult. And I'm sure, like fellow F-wits, uh, it would change around a lot. So I, I've decided to do it chronologically, starting with the 2010s and moving backwards so um, for, for my number 10 film. And I also decided that I couldn't possibly stick to 10. So my 10th choice is actually about eight films. So for number 10, <laughs> I had, uh, and they're all from the 2010s, so I am sticking to my, my rigorous uh, scientific methodology here. But from the 2010s, my 10th favourite film of all time are, in no particular order, The Big Short from 2015, Animal Kingdom from 2010, Warrior from 2011, Wolf of Wall Street from 2013, Whiplash from 2014, Get Out from 2017, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri from 2017. So quite a few of those we've actually done on the podcast. Or are they penciled in, ready to go, or have we recorded them and they just haven't been released yet? Uh, Yeah, well, I knew someone had thrown a massive curveball. My curveball comes a bit further into my list. Uh, but I'm glad we started with the stock standard Dan Curveball. I'm going to liken that to a quote from another movie. So well done. 
mate, all good movies there. I can't disagree with any of them. Big Short's um, a cracker. I yep. was, I've been watching a lot of Big Short on YouTube. Uh, little short. little snippets oh, of it. Oh yeah, snippets. I, yeah, it's what I. It's a bit of a comfort film for me. I always go back to it. I just. Uh, it's such a such a fun watch for such a dry subject matter. The way that uh, they're able to extract such a compelling story out of uh, out of a financial crisis is, is quite incredible. So I love the performances by everyone. Huge names in there. Brad Pitt's fantastic in a in a in a very small role, but Steve Carell probably steals the show you would have to argue so love it animal kingdom we've done previously um I, look i won't go through them all obviously we'll be here all night but the one the one in there of my number 10 of my eight number 10 films uh whiplash is probably the one that i go back to the most at the moment so star turn from miles teller when uh, he went into a bit of a hiatus after this i think COVID induced hiatus and the fact that he was sitting on top gun maverick for a while so we didn't see a lot from miles teller between whiplash and uh into the into the sort of 2018 1920s so he, he was very young but uh just yeah just a brilliant watch and again from a very dry subject matter comes a uh, a super super enthralling movie so yeah that's that's my number 10 okay well done we're going to give you number 10 is whiplash for dan see what, what the rest of us i think may have done i've done some notables that i'll do at the end not just given sort of 17 up at the front but anyway uh gow here we go. Number 10 for Gear. Here's my number 10. You'll like this one. This is the movie that started me on my martial arts craze. Right? <laughs> this is Revenge of the Ninja, oh 1983. Now, there are a few that I watched. I quite like the ninja martial arts of course. You know, movies, as we all know. Clash of the Ninja was a good one. The Octagon, you remember that? With, yeah. With Chuck Norris and Lee Van Cleef. That was a cracker. Chuck Cleefhouse ah, against Lee his, Van his, <laughs> I was going to say exactly the same thing. <laughs> this is this one's similar to Bloodsport, where he's got uh, you know he, his adoptive brother. He has to clean house against him yeah. because they, they end up fighting at the end. But um, Chuck's real superpower in that one was was whispering to himself throughout the movie. Sakura, Sakura. That was the original. <laughs> How, did they know? How did they know? And then of You've course, been American Sakura, 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 Sakura for thirty five years. <laughs> yes. Um, and then, of course, there's American Ninja with Michael Dudikoff. Oh, the Dudikoff. He had to get The shittest martial artist to ever have a whole franchise of martial arts films made around him. Just incredible. Yep. Michael yep. Dudikoff, what a boss. It would be the equivalent of you having a whole range of surfing films done for you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> he possessed great skills. <laughs> But um, but then yeah, then I was down. I I rode the pushy down from Wheeler Heights down to Aussies, Aussies oh, movie, was Aussie, Aussie Aussies video, video in DY, and and then I found uh, I found Revenge of the Ninja with Shokasugi, who was a star of heaps of those ones. He was Enter the Ninja, Pray for Death, uh, but this one hooked me. This was the first one. Good cover, yeah. I remember it had a really good cover. Yeah, no, it's yeah. it's a good movie. There's a, there's an awesome scene in it where he he throws a, a ninja star at a guy and it and it goes through his forehead and then the guy's screaming and then he flicks another one through his throat to shut him up. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's great. Um, and then he's got he's got, he's got actually one. There's his belt buckle. He whips off the oh. he whips the ninja star off the belt oh, buckle see. and throws it somewhere. Got a coordinate. It's awesome, mate. Um, as soon as I saw it, the next week I was straight down to the bullpen. That's what we call our dojo. <laughs> and I was like, Sensei Sadoshi-san. You know, oh can, can you, God. can you teach me that? And he's like, no, 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 mate. You've got to, he banged on about the dim Mac or the Bernie Mac or something, learning that. But, um, <laughs> Return of the Mac. <laughs> the way of the water or something like that. But um, yeah, so this is, mate, they had um, Professor Toru Tanaka in it. Remember Toru Tanaka, yeah, Sub-Zero in The yeah, Running Man? 
Yeah, so anyway, I've seen this one tons of times, but that was the one that really hooked me in. Okay. Anyway, that's my number 10. Nice. Well done. So Revenge of the Ninja is Gao's number 10. Funnily enough, we're going to stick with uh, combat sports for my number 10. Number 10, Rocky IV. So it's not the best Rocky film, I don't think, but it is definitely the one that I've seen the most and the one that I hold dearest. What can I say? It's got Drago. It's got The Death of Creed. It's got the best soundtrack out of all the Rockies. It is such an easy watch. It's so quotable. Rocky's beard, it's possibly the best beard in sports movie history. Uh, His leather jacket, there is just so many things about this movie that make it so good. I love it. It's the the Rocky I find myself going back to the most as a whole watch. But I still think Rocky 2 has the best training montage. And I think Rocky is probably the best film, yep. obviously. But this is by far and away my most enjoyed. Is this the one where he does at the start when he's in the shower nude and he's doing the hands against the No, board? that's Rocky 5. Oh, that's Rocky that's 5. Morgs that's Morgs' That's Morgs' favourite, yeah. 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 <laughs> I did replicate that in Pearly Heads for, uh, for Plims when we were at schoolies. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Plims, hey, Plims, come look at this. And me doing the Rockies in his cousin's shower. Oh, um, yes. Lunatic. Yeah. Lunatic. <laughs> Okay, so we've we've cle- go down anything? No, nah, good choice. Yeah. Love okay, it. very good. So we've cleared away a number ten. Now, hopefully, Dan has one number nine coming up next. Yeah, What's your number nine, cal- Dan? I did calm down after that. So um, yeah, number nine is in fact one film only, and this is again. I said I'd do it chronologically just because I can. So we're into the two thousands now, and uh, for number nine, a, a, an adaptation of a favourite author of mine by a couple of uh, favourite filmmakers of mine, and it's No Country for Old Men from 2007. So a Cormac McCarthy novel done by the Coens. We've talked about it a lot on the podcast, and it's I could watch this monthly. It is it's just such a great flick. Um, I can go, Josh Brolin, absolutely amazing. Um, uh, just, just something I can revisit time and time and time again. And if I was on a desert island, just fully nude, this would be one of the one of the moons movies that I'd take with me, and it'd be hairy movie watching every day. Yeah, I I had this in too. I I knew that it would come up, so I, yeah. I didn't put it in my ten, but it was certainly right on the list. Javier Bardem in this is unbelievable. Oh, that, that hair. performance is just oh, the hair's great, that, but yeah. he's just scary. Like he's just intimidating, I, scary. I think the greatest testament to this movie is that it beat There Will Be Blood for Best Picture that year. Yeah. yeah. Now, There Will Be Blood is an absolute masterpiece. It really is. And Daniel Day-Lewis' Daniel Plainview is incredible. The whole movie, that's a flawless piece of cinema. There Will Be Blood. This movie's better than it. No Country for Old Man is incredible. Yeah, that the um, the fight or the, the gun scene where he's no, chasing him. It's with... But everything, even the small parts. Yeah. So, like, Woody Harrelson is... Awesome. Unbelievable Josh in this Brolin. They're all good. They're all good. It's a great great choice. Great choice, Dan. Well done. Yeah, really good. Okay, G-Man. All right, I'm up. My number nine is a movie I watched only a few weeks ago. Again, it's Goodwill Hunting. Mm. I think this movie is so good. And just having rewatched it recently, it's just such a powerful movie and such an awesome story. The fact that these two came up with it, you know, so, so early in their career, so well, they, were, you know, they hadn't even started their careers, really. It's a... Uh, just gets me. Matt Damon is so good in this movie. I mean, but so many of them get nods. Matt Damon was a Best Actor nominee. Robin Williams won Best Supporting. He's unreal. Mm. But just the interact, the interaction between Matt Damon and, and Robin Williams in this movie. Oh, it's brilliant. It's awesome. The interaction between Robin Williams and Stellan Skarsgård 
is awesome as the as the dickhead professor. Also, Jared Lambo. We can't forget it's the you know very early role for a young Rip Cole Hauser. Cole Hauser, yeah. You know, he's one of the buddies in the back of the car. Unrecognisable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, look, and it's obviously given us a lot of pop culture. You know, how about them apples? You know, that's in that's in our daily lexicon these days. But um, just so good. That, I mean, the scene where he, where she, he says, "Tell me you don't love me," and he just looks in the eye and Mate. goes, "I don't love you." Yeah, you know, he just just that's how much he wanted to save himself. Like it's just so yeah. well acted, and so broken. well done. Yeah, he was broken. Also, the it's not your fault scene. That's uh, oh, that's pretty God. powerful stuff. God. But yeah, so that uh, I, that's my number nine. It's really good. That's a great um, choice, yeah. Yeah, apparently, uh, just a quick one. That Matt Damon and, and Ben Affleck on the first day of shooting started you know, they had tears in their eyes because there's Robin Williams and Stellan Skarsgård who are well known actors acting out their movie, and they're mm. like, "This is it. We finally." Well, finally made it. it. Yeah, yeah finally got it. it there after five years. Absolutely. Okay, good choice, Gow. Number nine. Okay, my number nine. We've covered it on the podcast. Seven. David Fincher's Seven uh, could be the best serial killer movie of all time, and in fact, I will go so far as to say that I have left Science of the Lambs off my list, which has been a staple in my top ten since its release. Three incredible performances in this movie from Pitt, Freeman, and Spacey in the limited time that he gets. Ali Ermi's amazing. Gwyneth Paltrow's a bit annoying, but she doesn't deserve to be head in a box. Fincher just announces to the world that he is here, and it is such a powerful film. It is so good. It is just incredibly rewatchable. I've seen it. I can't count the amount of times I've seen this movie. Love it. Yeah, great movie. Good call. Silence. Beat out Silence of the Lambs. Yep. That's a, that's yep. a big call. Yep. Yeah, there are a couple. There are a couple here where I had to it was one or the other, and this was one where it was either seven or silence, and I've gone seven. This is such a, I mean, it's such a story, but it's such a brutal movie too. Yeah. When you first see it, it really, it's really shocking. Yeah, really, yeah, shocking. really shocking. Yeah, it was an amazing cinema experience seeing it for the first time. Yeah. Any thoughts, Dan? Yeah, I. It's such a brutal scene. I'm always just thrust back to when I think about that, that movie and the thrusting of old mate when he goes to the the, the leather store. While Bill creates the, Ooh, yeah. uh, the 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 metal dildo, a strap on for uh, for old mate, it's what you don't see that I think is just even worse. The mind just uh, creates the, uh, the the horror for you in that in that scene. That's just it's just revolting, and it uh, it just stays with you forever. So yeah, just a incredible movie and um, so dark and and what an ending as well. What an incredible incredible ending of a, of a what film. What about the the body in the bed when you think it's dead? <sighs> And then oh, the gas you just jump out of your skin. Yeah, sloth. It's full on. Well, they didn't know that that, that was going to happen. That that yeah. that uh, reaction was real. Yeah, no, love it. It's one of my favourites. Well, it's my ninth favourite film. <laughs> okay, Excellent. number eight. Dan, what's your number eight? Yeah, look, I'm still in the in the two thousands for this one. So my only uh, Quentin Tarantino film on the list, actually. So obviously, there's you could have put any of his films in. I don't think there's really a weak moment even true romance that he wrote is uh, is definitely a favorite of mine that could make the top 10 but inglorious bastards for number eight uh is is my favorite quentin tarantino film so it doesn't rate as highly on the imdb as several of his other other joints 
But for me, it's the one I go back to all the time. And similar to the other films I've already name-checked, it's it's just a it's a it's a comfort watch for me. I mean, fairly dark subject matter with Quentin's usual spin on taking history and just moulding it into his own uh, perverse pleasure on what would happen if this happened instead. So uh, yeah, look, I just love the dialogue. We've talked at length about Christoph Waltz and his his role in this film, so we don't we don't need to go much into it other than to say. Thank you, Quentin. You're always going to make my top 10, but um, this was the film for me that you would appear in it for. Yeah, look, I had three Quentin films and I made it, I had to pick one. Yeah. And I, again, I don't think I've picked the best, what I think is probably the best Quentin film, but it's the one I like the, I enjoy the most now. It comes later on in my list. But Inglorious Bastards, I saw that the uh, preview the uh, premiere at the State Theatre in Sydney, we've talked about it, and it was a full-packed theatre. Quentin Tarantino was there with Christoph Waltz and Diane Kruger. It was incredible. And it's the movie just blew me away. The opening scene is could be the best opening scene oh. in, in the history of cinema. He's unbelievable, Christoph Waltz, in this movie, as he yeah. is in everything he does. We've yeah. talked about that before. He's so yeah. good. The scene uh, with the bear. Yeah, the bear Jew. The bear, when he yeah. comes out of the tunnel, he's banging the bat oh, in the God. tunnel. It's just brutal. The, the yeah. tension, I mean, it just, it's just, it's an absolute masterclass in how to string tension yep. out in the scene, that opening scene, as you said, with the bear Jew, the, uh, the, the long, uh, the long scene when they're in the underground bar with that, which is just brilliant as yep. well. Oh, with, yes. uh, with Diane Kruger and just, uh, he just keeps us absolutely waiting for what we know is coming, but just stretches it out for as long as possible. So, yeah. and the even when they're in the cinema, course, yeah. 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 It's a, even it's in the a cinema, masterclass. it's just like, yeah, it's just building all that tension. Yeah. Okay. Great choice, Daniel. Inglorious Bastards, number eight. Now, Gao, what's your number eight? All right. My number eight, I went back to the archives this one. This, this is a good Aussie movie. Um, and, and it, you know, it's Gallipoli. Oh, good choice, now, Gia. it's, and I know we're doing this around Anzac Day, but it's, it's one of those movies where we grew up at school, you learned all about the Anzacs, you knew all that, like it's, it's a very big in our culture. And, and to watch that movie, it's one of those first movies. It came out in 81, so we're only seven or eight years old. So I remember watching that and just some of those scenes just really show you the brutality of what happens in war. It's probably one of the, the first movie that I saw with all of that, but great cast, the young Mel Gibson. You know, yeah. Mark Lee and heaps of Aussie actors in it. There's Robert Grubb, there's Bill Hunter, David Argu, who's the little blonde bloke, the little uh, yeah. knockabout bloke. So, and then I'm sure t- Charles Tingwell, Bud Tingwell was in there as <laughs> no well. Doubt. He had to be in there. No doubt. But uh, I just remember watching this movie and it always just had that special place in your heart because it's something that, that is very historical for Australians. And then great score too. Yeah. Really, really unbelievable. Good. When he's running through the, uh, on his, on the run, trying to yeah. save his mate. And that that did 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 an incredible score. Yeah, it's it's yeah. awesome. Um, and we, yeah, it also featured. We we love this movie so much that on our travels we actually went to Anzac Cove and and checked out the uh, the the horrifyingly beautiful location where the actual Gallipoli uh, the, the the setting for that that great battle many many years ago, and we were just struck by the the sheer vertical climb that the diggers had to face when they were asked to, to storm the, the Turks gunner positions and you just stand there and go, what the fuck were they thinking? Like it, it's, it's just, it's such a, it's a stunning, stunning peninsula, but there, there was absolutely no way that uh, the majority of those guys were going to make it off the beach. And that's the one of the things when, when we went there and you looked at that and you see how far they were going to run and it's not far. 
like coming out of the trench, how far they were trying to get to. It's brutal. And how steep, you know, the bay they landed at Suvla Bay, how steep it is. So, of course, when you go there, you stay you stay at the hostel or wherever we stayed the night before and, and you watch the movie and then you go to the bay and it's it's so spine-tingling because that's where you go to the neck, Lone Pine, and that, that's, that to me really cemented. I mean, it's just a it's a real piece of history. So, I and think, it, you and know. Just beyond Lone Pine, I think you rooted a few tens there as well, didn't you, later that night? In, Turkish uh, delights, he called them. Yeah. Please, <laughs> Morgs. Please. <laughs> that was right in the middle of 90s gal in his absolute pristine. So I could uh, I, I could only surmise that a couple of Turkish ladies would have uh, would have met their Antipodean fellow that that night and uh, and and met the seven. So okay. listen, let, let me we can go uh, stories for another time I think for that but um, we could do a whole on a podcast I think. <laughs> another podcast. We try Morgs. every week to. Yeah. yeah. Please. Morgs is very good at flipping stuff 180 degrees. Oh, yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. so Except and we and that's exactly with the tens as well. So if you're saying that if you're saying the gal rooted a ten in Turkey, there's every chance more rooted a one in Turkey. <laughs> uh, okay, so my number eight, and it's another movie we've already covered on Born to Watch, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I gave this a five. Perfect film. I love this movie. Again, it's. I think this could be the most fun movie on my list of the 10. Uh, it's it's an old-style romp, Flash Gordon, just that mid, midday matinee film. Spielberg is a master, and you put him together with George Lucas, who becomes one of the greatest uh, director-producer, uh, I guess, couples in the history of Hollywood, and they just blow it away. And it's it's such a great movie. There are so many tropes that are now used 40 years on from this movie that he, that Spielberg created. Uh, Harrison Ford is amazing as Indy and he's gone on to rule the world as in pop culture. Some great performances in it, but it's the, it's the action sequences. It's, it's Spielberg himself. He is the king. They caught lightning in a bottle for that movie and they did replicate it again, but never to that level. It's, it's incredible. I love it. Un, un real movie. I left it out because I knew it would be in yours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I knew that was going to be a double up for sure. Yeah. It's a movie for me growing up that I watched so many times and just watched it over and over and never got sick of it. Yeah. Just from the start, from getting into the, like in the, um, in the caves and then all the way through. It's such a great flick. Yeah. Asps. Very dangerous. <laughs> so good. You go first. You go first. <laughs> fat, uh, fat Morgs would have picked this in his top 10 for sure. So just as, as I've changed over the years. <laughs> So as uh, my list, uh, yeah, I, I can't can't knock that pick. Well played. Okay, very good. Now we're going to move into the number sevens. Dan, we're going to start with you. Number seven. Yeah, so uh, we're going to say goodbye to the two thousands in my list and move into the nineties, which is uh, fairly fertile ground. I'll let you know. But for, uh, for again, in no particular order, I'm going to start with. Oh, hang on, no, I'm not. I just balls that up. I just I just looked in my list and there's another 2000s film that I had miscategorized. So just forget what I said there. We're staying in the 2000s one more film and that is I know a fa- it's probably this is going to be in all our lists, I know, because you guys talked about it a lot, but I thought I'd get in first and it's Lost in Translation from <laughs> Sofia Coppola. Bill oh Murray. Dan, you stole my number 1. 
Bill Murray, Scarlett Johansson, set in Tokyo. As you both know, I've spent a lot of time. I was big in Japan there for a while myself. And uh, I just love this film. It's uh, all jokes aside. I go back to it all the time. It's slow. It's you know, it's rambling. There's not a lot to it, but it's just fucking brilliant. And Bill Murray, I think, is uh, is what carries that. And uh, the stories of him of Sophia Coppola not even knowing if he was actually going to turn up for the first day of shooting are just legendary. He uh, he didn't have an agent. He basically left uh, left a message on his answering machine and uh, hoped for the best that he would turn up. So I love this film. All you athletes out there, if you don't love it, you can fuck off. But, uh, yeah, I doubt that it's going to feature on these two uh, chuckleheads' list. You're right. It's not on my list. <laughs> it's definitely not on mine. I don't know where to start with that. I, I don't like Lost in Translation at all, and I'm not sure how long the list would have to be for me to find space for that movie. How many times do you reckon you've seen it? Once. Wow. No, that's not true. I reckon I've seen it twice. What about I you, just... man? Have you seen it? it? Sounds like it'd be a good movie. <laughs> You're a dick. <laughs> oh, I implore you, if we don't listen to these two chuckleheads, it's uh, it's definitely way better than their uh, their opinions would have you believe. It's uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just always resonated with me. I think I was always a little obsessed with Tokyo and and to see that replicated. And Japanese people are weird as fuck too. It's awesome. And I've been to the uh, the Hilton there where it's shot and. Had cocktails, looking at what they're looking at, and I rooted the uh, the redhead singer there, and it's just you know I, I tried to do whatever Bill Murray did, and uh, and and really feel as if I was part of it, and I've been, obviously been to Shinjuku and the uh, the, the crazy four way crossing that you see with all the uh, yeah, it's all incredible the, that billboards, yeah, yeah, Dad, you've been there too, Whitey, so it's, yeah, yeah, just uh, it, it's the sum of its parts, I think, and I just really like what Sophia Coppola does, and uh, yeah, get fucked. Okay, excellent. Uh, okay, so we'll we'll move it. We'll move into uh, Gal's number seven. Hit me, Gal. What do you got? All right, got a bit of a curveball here for you guys. We're getting the time machine and we're going back. Wow, I like that. We're going back to 1963. Wow, to the Great Escape. Oh, the oh, Great the, Escape. The Great Escape. Good call. I yeah. have watched this movie. I love rewatching this movie. It's timeless. It's always so good. And every time I see it on, it's not something I'd seek out. You know, but uh. But every time it's on, I love watching this. It's, I mean, I don't know if everyone's seen it, but it's it's a group of allied prisoners that are that are all put into a camp, and it's and it's a really it's like a two halves of the movie. The first half is them planning their their escape from there, and then the second half is them all going their separate ways, you know, throughout the bush in the night and into into different towns throughout Europe trying to get away from the Nazis. Um, but it is a fantastic movie, um, and you know, at the at the end, underpinned by Steve McQueen on his bike trying to jump over the fence on the motorbike. One, a very, very iconic scene. But the cast in this, Steve McQueen, James Garner, Richard Attenborough, Charles Bronson, James Coburn, Gordon Jackson. Incredible. So, and it's a, it's a fantastic movie. Great storyline. Uh, just something. One that would, before, before, before the advent of cable TV and Netflixes and all the various streaming services and when there used to be the movie of the week on Channel 9 or uh, on the on the free to air broadcasters, it used to pop up all the time. This flick, but I wouldn't have seen it for twenty five years. I don't think. Yeah, it's it's a long time between watches, and it's something I don't. As I said, I don't seek to watch it all the time because it is a really good movie, and it's just something when you put it on, it's it's always a it's always a good watch. Yeah, I've watched. I've probably watched it in the last five years. That and the Dirty Dozen, I tend to go back yeah. to intermittently. Uh, they're, they're two of my old style favorite 
World War Two movies. Yeah. yeah, but this uh, the second half of this movie when they're all going on their own, you know, oh, they're on their own and and they're getting chased down. And some of the storylines are so good. It's a really really good flick. Uh, good what, was the, what was the piss take sitcom that they did off the back of this? Um, oh, Hogan's Heroes. Like Hogan's Heroes. So yeah. yeah I, Unfortunately, my my memories get melded together when I think of The Great Escape and then, uh, and then the sting. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that is not The Great Escape. They, uh, yeah, they, uh, and, and the, the lead actor in Hogan's Heroes, it was apparently a massive swordsman as well and real real freaky as well. It was it Robert so, Crane? Robert Crane, yeah. yeah. Robert yeah Crane. He's, he's a bit of a freak show, yeah. yeah. They, made a, oh, they made a movie called Autofocus with Greg Kinnear in it, which explains That's his right, own. yeah. He used to, he was the first guy, he used to film his sexcapades and stuff like that. He was a dark, he was a dark guy. He was That's a dark good. guy. Yeah, yeah. He had some different stuff going on, Robert Crane. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Great choice, Okay, okay my, my number seven, yeah, great choice, G-Man. My number seven is my Quentin Tarantino choice. It was very difficult here. I had three movies that I could very easily put in this. But I have chosen Kill Bill. Ooh, Very yeah. good, good choice. So I, I don't think it's his best movie. I think the I still think Pulp Fiction is his best movie, and it's and I was blown away the first time I saw Pulp Fiction. But this is the Tarantino movie that I can just watch over and over and over and over again and not get tired of it. I love this movie. It is so cool. Uh, it, the Battle of the Blue Leaves. I could just watch that. Uh, Thurman just cutting a swathe through the crazy eighty eight. And then the battle at the end with Lucy Liu in the snow yep. is just so beautiful. It is incredible. The battle of the Blue Leaves when they're in the restaurant. Yeah, and yeah. then out the back. Yeah, 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 then, yeah. So it's, it's, it's just so awesome. Yeah, and, and again, quality characters you care about. It's it's a it's another Tarantino masterpiece, and the soundtrack is awesome. Like the um, the the way he matches music to to the scenes is yep. is second to none. He's he's incredible. So my number seven is Kill Bill. Yeah, great choice. Really, really good. This is one of those movies again you can watch time after time and never get sick of. The storyline just twists around. It's so good. Yep. Which yeah. which one? If you revisit them, do you watch them both, or do you just watch this I'm, one? Or I'm not a what, huge Kill Bill. Fa- I'm not a huge Kill Bill two fan. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I find I find it to be a bit laborious. I, yeah. It's it's, a, it's it takes his I guess the the dialogue to the extreme. There's a lack of action compared to the first one. Yeah, it's slow. And it is. And it just does. I don't think it compares. It's it's still good. Don't get me wrong. Like he doesn't make a bad movie. It's just not as good. Yeah, yeah. You almost convinced me there. I, I, I it was in would have been in my top twenty, I reckon. But um, yeah, just just fell out for me. But you make a strong case. Well put. Yep. Okay. Number six, Dan. What do you got? Well, I'm doing this chronologically. So this one, of course, we say goodbye to the two thousands, and uh, now we're into the nineties. Actually, so. Again, no particular order really in the 90s. We're going to start with this one. Uh, from Michael Mann, The Incredible Heat. I couldn't leave this off. I, I just thought, look, for absolute pure enjoyment this film has given me over the years. And again, I don't know how often I watch this. I'd have to watch it at least twice a year at a minimum. Yeah. But just an absolutely incredible film. I actually just finished his novel, uh, Heat 2, which picks yes. up after... Chris Shahulis, which is Val Kilman's character, picks up after him. Basically, Nate gets him out of the country, so he's the only survivor out of the uh, the thwarted bank robbery, and uh, and he gets him out of the country, and uh, he ends up in Panama, Panama, I think it's Panama, yeah, and uh, starts on a new life of crime down there, and then they flip back 
to pre-1995, that starts off in 1988, and it's another score with Neil McCauley and uh, Vincent Hanna's there chasing them. It just happens their, their paths intersect. It's a fucking excellent book. I really enjoyed it, and it was great to be because you, you already knew those characters so well to be able to have them to revisit some of their other, their other crimes, and then Chris's future was yep. uh, was just brilliant. I, I don't know that you could make that into a movie. You definitely couldn't use the actors, unfortunately, the, the poor old Val Kilmer, the look of him these days. But it was um, it, it just just shows what a, what a great universe he had created with those guys. And uh, yeah, just a, just a, a, an all time favourite for mine, and and definitely sneaks into the top ten. Yep, excellent, good choice. I, that was that's a notable for me. Yeah, very, it was very difficult to leave that out. Uh, and Gao? it's a great movie. Always love watching that movie. Yeah. No, it is. I a haven't cracker. seen it a ton of times, but uh, it's always it's always a good watch. Yeah, absolutely, completely agree. What's your six? My six. Look, I was a massive fan in the in the early eighties of of Bill Murray and Harold Ramis, Meatballs, Caddyshack, Stripes. Stripes was almost on this list, but I went for Ghostbusters. Oh, good choice. Now, um, and 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 this is really because what, what did this come out? Eighty four. So. It was right when we were kids, and it was. I just remember being so big. I mean, it took over the world, didn't it? Ray Parker Jr.'s song, just the whole thing. And I think with this, you know, normally those sort of movies with ghosts are all terrifying, whereas this has got some funny parts in it. I was a massive fan of of Bill Murray back in these days. So um, I just remember the, the the three characters, Venkman, Spengler, and Stance. They're just they're just so good. They're so offbeat. They they mesh really well. Heaps of good one liners in this movie. Uh, it's just. Uh, it's just a great movie and just was very, very big in our childhood for sure. I love Ghostbusters. You know, my story, I saw it seven times at the cinema. Yeah. Uh, Colleen White giving me the $4.50 to go in. I love it. It's still to this day, it's, it's, I watch it at least once a year, at yep. least, at least once a year. Bill Atherton. I mean, we've talked about him before in Die yep. Hard and yep. in this as, as the, you know, the bad guy. He's so good at just being hate, being hated, you yes. know, like being he's, able to hate he's him. He's very hateable. He's very hateable. Good choice. Good choice at six, Gow. Uh, my six is going to rock the boat here a little bit because I think it might be higher on at least one of your lists. Number six, Aliens. Now, if I'd done this list 10 years ago, I think that Aliens probably would have been in my top three. Definitely. And I love this movie. I think that these six movies that come now could be all equal one. This is James Cameron at his best. He ups the ante on the first movie, which could have been in my list as well, to be honest. Alien is a classic. I love it. Uh, it is, it's action aplenty. Again, it's characters that you care for, no matter how small they are, you're invested. You're invested in all of them, and the score is incredible. I think James Horner does the score, and it's unbelievable. But the storyline, the, the, the strong female lead, Ripley, is incredibly good. Uh, the bond that she has with, with Newt, it's just a gr- it's a great movie. It's so good. I love it. Oh, it's a it's a rewatchable so many times. How many times have we seen this a movie? Lot. Yeah, a it lot. is it is a really really good movie. Yeah, all the characters in this are great. So many good one liners. Yeah, it's it's an awesome movie. Yeah, absolutely. What about you? What about you, Dan? What have you got to say about this? What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for that. I I completely question your judgment. This film is a masterpiece. I'll talk a bit about it a bit later on. Uh, but, yeah, I absolutely love this film. It's it's the basis of many of our segments on Born to Watch. Uh, it is arguably the, the, the blueprint of the sequel, slightly better than the incredible original. It is 
a snapshot of the 80s, yet timeless. It is just uh, on every watch incredible when they brought out the director's cut. That became my favourite film at the time. Yeah, I, I, I can't speak highly enough about this film, and I, I do wonder what on fucking earth you could put in front of it. So uh, let's oh, well, you, You've seen this the most out of anyone ever. I think you've watched this yeah. so many times. Yeah, this, yeah, this could, this, this, the, as I said, the next six movies could all be number one in my yeah. list. It's, this is how hard this list was because I actually yeah. did it in order. So it was difficult, very difficult. Right. <laughs> 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 well, I, I think you're a fuckwit, but anyway, we'll that's all right. The, uh, let's see what everyone else thinks. Okay, excellent. Now we are moving on to number five, and we're going to go with you, Dan. What do you got for number five, top five? Yeah, I'm staying in the 90s, and uh, this one for me is is one that I know that you love, Whitey. I think you love it, G-Master, but Paul Thomas Anderson's Boogie Nights. Oh, yes. Good movie. 1997. So, yeah, again, one that I just revisit so often and uh, just love every time I've seen it. I'm just blown away by the who's who of Hollywood royalty that – that feature in this. I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman, just some of the, the smaller parts that he he has, and then obviously we lost him far too young. Burt Reynolds, Mark Wahlberg, just an incredible, incredible cast. Um, stories about the film are quite off the charts. Um, the fact that Paul Thomas Anderson basically sat through a year of uh, 70s porn to get in the feel of what it was like to be a porn maker in the Valley where he's from in uh, in in the late seventies, early eighties. So yeah, just an absolute masterpiece, and and one I revisit a lot, and uh, and definitely in my top ten. Yep. No, it's a, again, uh, it's a notable for me. I love Boogie Nights. I just couldn't find a place, but it's it'd be in my probably in my top thirteen films. It's hard to fit them all in, yeah. and then knowing that some of these are going to be in the list anyway. Yeah, it's inc- uh, it's a great movie. I love it. I've watched it a lot. It's a great movie. Jack tells me you got a great big cock. Good choice, Dan. And what about you, Gow, moving into your top five? What do you got at five? All right, I've got five. I I found this hard to split. I put the two of them in there. It's Mad Max and Mad Max 2. Okay, yeah. So I'm assuming we'll probably get to these a little later on. But look, for me, these two growing up were, you know, they were, they were something you watched all the time. They, it was always... Always something I, I like to watch. Seminal Australian movie to me. I mean, we've talked about Mad Max. We've done Mad Max before, but the whole the whole story uh, of Mad Max two, you know, in the apocalyptic wasteland, the gyro man. It's great. Yeah. Eating eating tin dog food after the dog's eaten it. Yep. It's uh, it's just great. The feral kid, uh, and his and his boomerang, the chopped off fingers. Yep. Oh mate, they're what's great. It, what's his name? Lord Humongous. Was that his name? Uh, yeah, Lord Humongous. Yeah. <laughs> The gasoline, yeah. This um, and the the chase scene with the rig at the end is unbelievable. It set it set the scene for all those kind of movies. So you can't split them. So I'm going Mad Max two. All right, well done. But you can go Mad Max or Mad, Mad Max two. Well, that's, yeah, yeah it's, but that's good. A good choice. Well done. Oh, Dan, what do you was, think? Yeah, that was a, that was probably top in the top twenties for me. All the Mad Max films except for Thunderdome. So they um, but yeah, one and two. Uh, the Road Warrior. As it was known overseas, uh, yeah, great choice, G. Well played. Yeah, I can't can't disagree there. Okay, so my number five, The Godfather. Okay, so Dan actually introduced me to this when he was, I think he was sick when we were young young men, teenagers. Went up yep. to his place and he had it uh, he had it on hire, 
and I and I settled in for three hours and it blew my mind. I was like, holy shit. Uh, and as I've gotten older, I've only grown to appreciate it even more. This is a masterpiece, absolute masterpiece, and arguably the greatest movie ever made, right? Tries to be done by the second one, but I still think that the first movie is a better movie than Godfather 2, as good as Godfather 2 is. Agreed. Then the story behind the making of the movie, uh, against all the odds and all the stuff that went on in the background, it's the scale is 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 monumental. It it's incredible how they managed to squeeze this into this movie. It's Coppola's best. There's yeah. no doubt in my eyes. It's Coppola's best, and it is. Again, I would watch this a, a couple times a year easily. I would watch this a couple times a year. I love it. Yeah, it's a good slow burn, and yeah. and the character arc of Michael. You know, at the start yeah, to, to where he ends up, and yeah. that iconic closing scene. You know, when they shut the door. And yeah, it's a it's a fantastic movie, yeah. and love it. Yeah, you're right. It's, as just, the years go on, you just get to appreciate it more. I was and just more. watching it the other night. It was on TV, and I was just caught it was on Foxtel, and I was just watching it. And the bit where he's teaching Apollonia to drive when he's in yeah, Italy, in Italy, and and she's he goes, you can't even, you know, can't even, she's can't even speak English or whatever. And she's like, it's Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> And I just find myself <laughs> chuckling. It's just so good. The it scene reminds where- me a bit of uh, of the guys in Sideways uh, when he just goes off and has this whole different life when he's in Italy and has, uh, yes. has a new wife and, and then uh, she dies. So he goes, all right, I better go back to my old life and just plug straight back into his American life and uh, and his former missus. So, yeah, quite, uh, quite the gamesman, Michael, in that. But, yeah, like, I can't argue with the choice. Didn't make it into my list at this time. Again, recency bias, I'm sure, is the uh, the reason for that. Just something yeah. that I, I haven't revisited for quite some time, but obviously enjoyed immensely whenever I do. Oh, it bounced around my top ten too, and I I thought about putting it out. It's, it's not in there, but yeah. uh, okay. We move into number four, and Dan, what's your yeah, number four? So leaving the nineties with this last piece of nineties. Now I know for a fact this won't feature in either of yours, but I just had to put it in there just because of how often I go back there to watch it and how much I've enjoyed it over the years. So it's a Richard Lankladder joint. Um, I love his shit. I know you guys don't so much, but uh, he, he has his muses that he uses. Boyhood was definitely something that you can uh, appreciate for the craft but probably don't revisit a lot. It was actually on cable uh, or one of the streamers recently, and I... I Sort of sat into it and it didn't grab me. It was definitely pretty slow. But the the before the before sunrise, before sunsets, the Judy Delphi and the uh, Julie Delphi, sorry, and the Ethan Hawke, they were always great films. But for this one, this is the film that I always go back to. Now I I I, I mention everybody wants some all the time because that's a uh, the latest and probably spiritual successor to this particular film that I love from Richard Lankladder, which is a film about absolutely nothing except a baseball college, a week in um, a baseball college team in uh, in the states in in the late seventies, early eighties, and uh, it's it's was the successor to Days and Confused, which is a film that I just love so much and uh, and go back to a lot and uh, ha- have for the last thirty years, and uh, it had to had to enter into my top top ten, and that's why in my chronological order it just fits so neatly. So, what do you guys think of Days and Confused? It's a good movie. It's funny. I, I, I've, I haven't seen it a heap. I've probably seen it, but I've probably seen it between three and five times. I reckon, around that sort of maybe five times max. So first I've, film of Matthew McConaughey with his, he's oft repeated. All right, all right. Yeah. 
yeah, just a just a Ben Affleck uh, features in there. Casey, um, not Casey Affleck. What's it? We were talking about Rip before. What's Rip? Oh, Cole Hauser. Hauser. Yeah, Cole Hauser's in there. One of the London stars, and I can never remember which one. Jason. Jason, Jason London. Jason London, yeah. Parker Posey's in there. He's just a real bitch character, but funny as. Mila Hovovich is in there just uh, and actually got married to one of the other actors on, on the set. It sounds like they were just partying the whole time when they were filming it. They were about 18 years of age, all of them, when they did it. It would have been so much fucking fun shooting it. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's a full nostalgia buzz for me and uh, one that I just love. And it just makes the 70s look fucking cool as when, uh, in reality, probably not so cool. Yeah. Joey Lauren Adams? Joey Lauren Adams, exactly. Went on to feature in a lot of Kevin Smith's films. Kevin Smith movies, yeah. And like, yeah. Um, a real strange, squishy face, but quite a good sort. Would definitely feature in Whitey's Brad Pitt segment, I reckon. But, uh, yeah, that's it's, I could go home and watch that tonight and be very happy. Okay, very good. Now, good choice, Dan. Well done. Gow, number four. All right, number four. It's coming at four. It's a, it's a guilty pleasure. I know this is going to be in a list. It's Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got that in at four. It's, it my, is... it's, it's my number four as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Right, well, we, can just, we can just bounce this out then. That's really good. What, what can you say about it? It is the most quoted movie of all time for me. Without um, a doubt. It is, it is the right mix of, you know, comedy and action and, you know, science fiction or fantasy. It's just funny. Him as the, you know, Kurt, we all love Kurt. Kurt is the bumbling, you know, tough guy. And his offside is actually the one that's, that, that he's gets a, him he's, through he's it. The, <laughs> Kurt, Kurt's the sidekick. Yeah, really. really Essentially that's the sidekick. And, and I think that's really well done how they've yeah. done that to make him, the, like he doesn't win a fight. In any, no, he's hopeless. In, he's hopeless in this he, whole He's movie. actually unconscious for two of them. <laughs> he just doesn't do anything. Well. <laughs> but he just he just rates himself. I love the start when he's talking into the into the mic. Like it just sets yeah. the whole scene of how cool he thinks he is. Just what else can we say? We we uh, all love this movie. It's not in mine, and uh, it's awesome that you guys had it as your number four. I I didn't include it at this stage, but at any time in my life, I could have included it. I think we're in the minority loving this film. It's not a widely known. Flick. It's something that we have cottoned onto and and love, but it's a bit of an underground sleeper. I don't know that a heap of people would agree with us on our love for this film. What do you think, Whitey? Oh, I agree. I think it's a cult. It's a bit of a cult classic, but I, I, no, there's no, not no, many. It's even below cult for me. You, th- you think so? Totally. You think it's okay? Yeah, okay, maybe yeah. so. But anyone, I remember that in the video shop. Anyone, if I had it on in the shop, people would hire it. Yeah. If, if I if I recommended it, people would come back and say that was great. Yeah. It's a specific kind of movie, right? You've got to be, I think you've got to be a specific kind of person to really enjoy this. The fact that this is in my top four movies of all, and I tell you, it could have been higher, to be honest. Like, Oh, yeah, it could have if, been. If it went on terms of how many times I've seen this movie, it's probably top three, this movie, easily. And I still remember finding it for the first time on the shelves in DY, uh, in the video shop, and taking it home. And it was just because of the art. It's one of the greatest posters, most iconic posters of all time when when posters were hand-drawn. And it is just a fun movie. It's just, it's I love it. It's, I love this movie. It's not a movie you watch once and go, wow, what a great movie. Yeah. It's just something that keeps growing and right. growing. And the more you watch it, all the quotable yeah. lines in it, it's just something that just keeps going. And this is one that I couldn't wait to introduce Josh to. Absolutely. As soon as he was of age, I was like, mate, you got to watch this movie. Yeah, yeah I don't, don't know if he enjoyed it as much as I did, but I've still. Introduced, I introduced it to both my kids. I introduced yeah. to both my kids. It was one of the first videos I ever bought myself. I bought it myself. Um, 
probably copied it as well, pirated it. But it's a it's it's a Carpenter Russell one two punch, and they are great together. Very very good together. Yeah, so, and Kurt's so good. I mean, this the one that gets me is the scene where he where he walks up and and pushes up the hat and punches one of the storms in the face. Yeah, and he doesn't move, and then it's he doesn't even say anything. He just looks at him in the little nod. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. he's the it's best. Just so good. It's understated. So good. so good. So that's that's me and Gow's number four. Well no, I can't I can't uh, take that away from both you boys. I love that film as well. Um, yeah, well played. Uh, also. There isn't a mass shooting going on in Southwest Rocks at the moment. If you pick up anything weird in the edit, it's just fireworks going on for Anzac Day. So, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> everything happening today. Good times. Okay, so we're going to move into our top three, and it's right at the pointy end now. So, Dan, we'll start with you. Number three. Yeah, look, I'm, can I pass on three? Um, I'm just going to wrap up two and one. So, uh, yeah, if you can uh, let me pass uh, three, please. Okay, all right, too easy. That's interesting. Uh, G-Man then, what's number three? I had Aliens in my number three. Yeah, good. Now, we've talked about it, so I won't go through it. So the other one I had in there, I think, with that is Jaws. Okay. Now, I'm assuming we're going to get to Jaws. Soon. You're right. So, look, it's it, we'll go through quickly. It's just a movie to me that it is so – it's that movie from when you are a kid that was so scary that you just knew about. I mean, it, and it's just become – such such a, a legendary movie. The, the soundtrack, the sounds to it. Everybody knows what it means. Everybody knows, and everybody was shit scared to go into a into the water. In your swimming pool everywhere yeah. after this. Really good performances. Roy Scheider, um, all of them, all of them in it were great. Richard Dreyfuss was excellent. So was Robert Shaw. Um, and yeah, I, I won't I won't steal thunder because I know that uh, you'll want to talk about this. So a little bit more. It's, is that your number three? Jaws. Yes. I'm okay. The number three. Well done. Okay. My number three, and I'm rolling on with the John Carpenter, Kurt Russell, one-two punch with The Thing. Could be the best horror movie of all time. It, I think it's definitely in a photo finish with The Exorcist. I think the reason I love this movie so much is because I think I found this movie on my own. This is one of those ones where you just happen across it. Found it on the shelves in the video shop. Saw the cover, was like, what the hell's going on here? took it home and was like, holy shit, what a movie. And I know we've covered this on Born to Watch very early on, mind you, probably yep. didn't give it its due. If we did it again, I think we could probably do a better job with it. But the paranoia, the setting, the cast, the practical effects, this is a flawless movie. I love this movie. Everything about it is amazing. Love it. The Thing, number three. The Thing is awesome. Great, great choice. I knew that would be up there for you. Yeah, love it. You uh, you introed that film to me I, it's a huge film for me as well didn't make my list but not because i don't love it just because there are so many freaking movies out there but uh yeah i i, I can't disagree There's, again the tension you you just nailed it like the, the it's a it's a haunted house story it's uh they're they're all tucked in together and something's picking them off one by one but it's just elevated so much by the practical effects and just the performances by the cast kurt russell's outstanding uh, Wilford Brimley, God knows how that man was a sex symbol. He was 38 years old and looked about 100. Um, yeah, great, great, great movie. Excellent choice. Okay, well, now we're moving into number two. Daniel, number two on yep. your list. I passed on three because I couldn't split two and three. And uh, Gal, he has, uh, he's nailed it with Alien. So Alien and Aliens I've put as two and three, and you can flip them any way you want. But for me, they are just absolute masterpieces. Ridley Scott, before he lost the plot, 
Alien, it's I don't know if if if, we, if you don't know the, the the story of Alien and how it came apart, how it came to be, and how it was shot, and how it's basically a B movie elevated just by the incredible craft of Ridley Scott and the performances of these guys. I mean, it's a, it's, it, you think about it, like it took space movies prior to that were all slick and guys in silver suits and Buck Rogers and shit that, that it just looked like it was, uh, it was all quite contrived. I mean, this is a, this is a space freighter where guys look like they work down at the local pip. Like they don't have uniforms there. It was just really grungy and they don't talk. There's no exposition. You don't know what's going on. And, um, Sigourney Weaver is the uh, is the female lead, and actually the parts were written; they weren't um, gender uh, specific. So the fact that they chose Sigourney Weaver to play the part, it could have been a dude that ended up playing that part. But I just absolutely love that film. Uh, I did a lot of of close study into it when I was studying film at uh, at uni, and and just uh, I could I could bore you to tears for years on this particular film. And Ridley Scott, he hand drew every single scene for this this film prior to shooting it so he knew exactly what he wanted to achieve and what they could do and and if you look at the film now it doesn't look dated at all it's beautiful the way it's shot but um he also used the lighting that they used they just cover so much because they didn't have a, a huge budget at all but the the fact that they make it look like the interior of this giant space freighter and they do it a lot with the disguising the lighting and, and just showing you the shadows and then they don't reveal the monster hardly at all in the original alien and uh, it's just a brilliant film. And then to back it up with James Cameron coming along and, uh, and and taking the mythology of that story and expanding upon it and writing it to make Aliens, which uh, if you know, it's it's my definitely second or third favourite movie of all time. Um, and it just happened to fit nicely into this this chronological narrative that I've dropped on you boys today. But yeah, I, I can't speak more highly enough about those two films. And if for some reason you haven't seen either of them, fucking go and watch them. Tonight, tomorrow, whenever. But, um, yeah, just just incredible. Alien and Aliens, you can change them over, uh, flip them around, whatever you like, but they're my number two and three. Yeah, 100%, Morgs. Um, the fact that they put Sigourney Weaver as the as the hero in this is so good, and she's so good in this role. Um, and the and presence she has, like she's almost yeah. six foot tall herself. Like she's quite a, a a large lady, but she just the physical presence she has on screen, and you believe her as an action hero yeah. or a, or a reluctant action hero in both films, and especially in Aliens, where she becomes so badass and and just takes on the the Queen Alien, and and you don't for a minute think that she couldn't do it. So uh, yeah, just just a brilliant film. And and she's an incredible athlete. <laughs> well, that's probably the one she get her armor in, but uh, unfortunately, Gray's motor skills not uh, not quite up to that action star status. But uh, uh, also with the first film, just the, the set design and uh, from HR Geiger, which is just the stuff of absolute nightmares. The the sets that he was able to design and the such the phallic and. Um, and and uh, I guess the, the, all the forms. I mean, it's, it's if if it's not a replicating a phallic uh, penis style, it, it's definitely more vaginal in everything that he creates, from the face huggers through to the eggs that sprout the aliens. It's just uh, the dude was severely fucked up, but uh, it, it translates very well to screen. So yeah, I, I I can't speak highly enough about either film. Love them both. They're incredible films. Love them. They were, they were always going to be high up on this list yeah. for all of us. Can't so, say yeah. anymore. They are, they are unreal. Okay, G-Man, number right. two. Number two. We're going back to the late 70s. <laughs> My number two came in. I want to guess. I want to guess. I want to guess. Go on. Clint Eastwood feature in it. 
No, I didn't have a Clint in here. Okay, okay, all right. No, continue. I'll, I'll give you a hint, Morgs. Yeah. It's a surf movie. <laughs> no, from the late 70s. Would it yeah. happen to be Big Wednesday? <laughs> that would be the one. Well played. Um, love this movie from when I first saw it. I think I watched it with my dad early on, but us all growing up on the beaches and surfing and this story of just three young guys, you know, three young Californian guys who are just living their life and they're, you know, they're having a carefree life. They're partying at, at the mum's house and they're getting into fights and they're going down to Mexico and just enjoying themselves. And then, it, you know, it goes through a 12 year period, um, brought into quarters in the movie, you know, through the different swells, but, but just the, you know, the story of their lives changing and, and, you know, as they get older and having kids and, and different stresses and then having to go to war and Vietnam pops its head up, and, you know, friends having to go getting conscripted and, uh, you know, being Matt, Matt Johnson, Jan Michael Vincent being the you know the star surfer at the beach and being a reluctant hero that way. It's just a, it's just a great coming of age story of, of three mates and, and their group of friends. Um, you know, and and dealing with different different things in life. It's just a it's just a fantastic movie. And I love rewatching this. Yeah, can't, can't, it, can't argue. Who who else? Someone else we know that loves Big Wednesdays. It Damon. Uh, Adam Gaberna Goobs loves Big Wednesday. Oh, Goobs. That's a, that's a strange choice for Goobs. Yeah, it is. But he's a huge Big Wednesday yeah. fan. BGP Plumbing. He loves it. Yeah. yeah. Big fan of Big Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. okay. No, it definitely features well. Yeah, oh, look, I enjoyed it as well. Probably don't love it as much as, as uh, the you lot. But, um, yeah, it's inspired choice to you, man. Well played. Oh, mate, I just think it's so good the way – the way it's put together, it's just this, the three of them having to having to navigate life and, and you know and the rest of their crew as well, just just a real coming of age of the brothers or you know, the, the three friends. It's it just an interesting one. Like George Lucas and Steven Spielberg were really good friends with John Milius, who's the director. And they thought this was gonna be the American graffiti of surfing movies. So they they were like, right, well, they traded profit points from their next movies with him because they thought it was gonna be so big. So John Milius got a Got some points in Star Wars and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah. And this, <laughs> this, yeah, John Millis, and this, this made four point five million, four point five million, which was half its budget. Yeah, when it first went out, and it's obviously since then it, it's you know got a very underground or you know became a real cult movie and, and made a lot after that. But uh, yeah, he scored big out of that, I think. Yeah, no doubt. He was on the right end of that deal. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Okay. Uh, well, my number two, Jaws. I don't think there's a movie that I've seen more in the last 10 years than Jaws. It's one. Of, it's the first book I ever bought. I bought it for 20 cents from a book fair down at uh, Warrywood Square. My nan gave me a 20 cent piece and I went and bought Jaws. I remember that book at your house. Yeah, I've still got the book at home. Uh, it's an old book. Is this the greatest movie ever made? Quentin Tarantino thinks it is in terms of what it achieved. It's It began the summer blockbuster. It just... It changed the way movies were released and the way movies were made. Steven Spielberg was 26 when this movie was made. Wow. 26. It ran weeks over budget. It ran millions of dollars over budget. It was written on the fly by Carl Gottlieb, who was an actor on the movie, who was also a scriptwriter. They they were they'd sit around in a house at night on at Martha's Vineyard, the cast and the crew, and they'd write the next day's script. <laughs> Amazing. This, this is incredible. It was the first movie ever to be made on the open ocean. They invented cameras that sat half in the water, half out of the water. 
It just the reason the movie is so good is because we don't see the shark. The reason we don't see the shark is because the shark didn't fucking work. <laughs> right? It wasn't movie making brilliance. It was just because it wasn't available to be shot. So when you eventually do see the shark, you're like, holy shit. And regardless of whether the shark looks fake or whatever, it's the it's what happens outside the water that makes it's this the movie. tension. It's it's the it's, it's the tension one hundred percent. It's them standing on the beach and not knowing and yeah. you know, seeing the underwater scenes of the, the legs kicking and yeah. all of that, like you just go, it's oh, the unseen. No. oh no. It's the unseen. You don't see the dog get eaten. You don't see Alex Kittner get eaten. You don't see these things. You don't see Ben Gardner get eaten, but his head falling into the hole in the bottom of that boat yeah. is the biggest shock of the movie. Yeah. I, I saw this forty year release when it got released on blu-ray i saw this at the ranwick ritz in the cinema with 400 oh, i remember people. when you went there yeah mate it, it it was like i was seeing it for the first time people screamed it was i can only yeah. imagine what it was like to see it in 1975 when it was released like it would yeah. have been incredible it is it look it could be my favorite movie of all time but i put it at number two it's definitely up there and it is because it is something that impacts you. Like as, as a kid watching this, like we said, you just it scared the shit out of you. Yeah. And it just has such an it had such an impact on everybody. Yeah. You know, everybody thought sharks are so dangerous because of this movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, interesting on that that John Williams originally played the score for Steven Spielberg. And Steven Spielberg said to him, he goes, Yeah, that's funny, but what's the actual music? <laughs> but then said to him, like he goes, But if you if that wasn't what he had, he goes, That would the movie wouldn't have been half as successful well, without it, that. Is it the most most iconic movie yeah. score oh, in history? It's gotta be. Up there, well, it's up there with probably one or two others. Which I'll tell you one, like we talk about quotable lines. I don't, you know, we're gonna need a bigger boat's obviously one. Yeah, which was inside completely ad libbed. Yeah, joke on the set. Well, they had that inside joke yep. on the set, right? But the one I get, which no one in my family, because no one's ever seen it, would know, is that a lot of nights when I go to bed, I get up and go, show me the way to go home. <laughs> I'm tired and I want to go to bed. Yeah. There are so many there are so many great moments in that movie. I love the bit where yeah, he's afraid of he's afraid of drowning and he's explaining it. And then they get then I think it's Hooper and him are on the boat when they're looking for Ben Gardner's boat. I think Hooper says to Brody, Well, you know, it's a bit rich from a guy who's afraid of the water but lives on an island. And Brody goes, It's only an island if you look at it from the water. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So anyway, now my number two is Jaws. Now we I are I don't love Jaws as much as you guys, but I, I can appreciate what a groundbreaking piece of cinema it was and understand why it's so beloved i think that the height it, it, it set up the hiding of the of the beast the scary beast for so many subsequent films and just showed that whatever we're conjuring in our minds is the best screening room in uh, in the world rather than what they can paint on the uh, on the screen so yeah go, I, I i totally get it yeah absolutely okay we are now at number one this has gone quicker than i anticipated so, Dan, what is your number one favourite movie of all time? You guys are not going to pick this in a one bazillion years, but it's a, it's become a favourite of mine. And all of the films you guys have said could have been in my top ten over my lifetime and maybe tomorrow. So I'm just saying this is a snapshot for me. It worked with my chronological order. I wanted to put in an Australian film because I think that they're probably underrepresented at the moment. I snuck in Animal Kingdom in there and uh, Gao had Gallipoli. But apart from that, I I think we probably didn't have it. I've Mad Max's as well, I beg your pardon. But uh, as far as 30, it, it probably needed to be a bit more considering it's where we're from. This one actually wasn't made by an Australian, but it's about Australia. 
and uh, it features uh, an, an Englishman in in the lead role and uh, a very famous at the time Englishman in a, just a fucking whack job performance in it. But uh, the movie is from 1971, so uh, out of the 80s, goes down to the 70s, and the film, if you haven't seen it, it was actually found not so long ago and had been forgotten, and uh, they, they literally stumbled across it and uh and and found the film cans and um and and just went to work on restoring the movie and uh fwits if you haven't seen it i think i've probably mentioned it on the pod previously i know that these guys have i know whitey's seen it i don't know if gal's seen it but it's one that i i get i revisit once a year now and i'm just completely blown away by a foreigner's just spot-on depiction of Australia at the time and how fucked up Australians are or were, especially in small towns. Um, it featured Donald Pleasance in that role of an absolute freak show, but a very famous Australian actor called Chips Rafferty playing the local policeman too in just in a, a role that he, what, what struck me about that particular role is that in that the, most of the scenes he was in, he was drinking beer in that, in the scene and shouting the, uh, the main character a beer in the flick and they offered him uh, uh, some some tea water to make it look like it was beer. And he's like, fuck that. My character drinks beer. I'm drinking beer. <laughs> and proceeded to put away about 20 schooners every take and managed to stay standing. So it was just this absolute gonzo filmmaking that went on at the time. I won't str- string it out any longer. The film is called Wake in Fright. It is absolutely incredible. I just think that despite the fact that it fit, fits in my chronological order, it just had to be in my top 10. Yes, you could argue many of the other films I've said could equally take the number one spot. But for me, this is the film that I watch and just walk away going, whoa, that is fucking amazing. That is why people write movies to just have audiences go, what the fuck is going on? And it was a, there was a Danish guy that did it. So it didn't, didn't have a intimate knowledge of Australia, but just was able to pull out the, the ridiculous quirky traits of Australians and just make it completely horrifying experience for this English teacher that uh, just goes on this absolutely uh, this incredible journey of losing all his dough and just spiraling more and more out of control. And it just open mouth like a Breaking Bad final season episode the entire time you're watching and something that I just absolutely love. Wake in Fright, F wits, go and see it. Boys, what do you think of Wake in Fright? Mate, I'm just looking up the uh, the cover on it here and it says, this is what it says, Outback. Have a drink, mate. Have a fight, mate. Have a taste of dust and sweat, mate. There's nothing else out here. That's on the top of the cover. It, it is very difficult how though that the 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 essentially the, uh, the it's shot a lot in like an Ari and it's uh, there's yeah. two up games that are in there and you just, it's just normal parts of our life that we've already grown up with. But the way the director shoots it, they just become menacing and evil and just uh, completely completely horrifying throughout so uh yeah just a just a favorite film of mine you all knew i wasn't going to put a blockbuster into my number one spot so i am playing to my archetype somewhat but i really very much love this film why what do you think of waking front okay so when you started to talk about your first movie i actually wrote on my little pad here waking fright i knew even before you'd gotten well into your description what movie this would be the fact that you've put this at number one, I know you're going to write this off as being chronological order. It says a lot about you, Dan. This this is a it's a powerful Australian disturbing, film. Disturbing, disturbing film. It, 
it's a powerful, disturbing Australian film that only needs to be watched once. <laughs> so, can I can I just read out this is this is the quick synopsis. After a bad for those who haven't seen it, after a bad gambling bet, a school teacher is marooned in a town full of crazy, drunk, violent men who threaten to make him just as crazy, drunk, and violent. It is it's hard to watch. It is it's watching Jack it through. Jack Thompson features in yep. there as one of the Oka good old boys at the end, and it's uh, yeah, it's 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 very hard to to put into words the viewing experience that you have, but especially for Australians, the, these are things that we've grown up with. We've visited small towns all our lives, going through them, whether we're you know going on holidays or what, whatever we do. We've all been to RSLs and seen the particular quirky traits of what goes on there. We've Anzac Day, it's coming up. We've all played tour. But the way that this particular director just spins all of this into such a, uh, a harrowing, harrowing journey, I think is just an incredible piece of filmmaking and just really stays with me when I think of cinematic experiences that really fucking have moved me over the years. Whereas as far as an entertaining movie experience, sure, there's there's hundreds more that uh, uh, would, would tick those particular boxes, but this one has just always stayed with me and, uh, yeah, love it. Yeah, okay. It's, look, it's, it's an odd choice, but I completely understand it. It's, yeah. If you've not seen it, you have to. I think it's a movie you have to see. I'm going to have to give this a rewatch. You're going to, you're going to have to watch it. It's been it a long yeah, time, and um, and it'll be interesting to hear what you think about it. Uh, it's a good choice, Dan. It's it's definitely something that was. Uh, look, I'm not going to. I didn't think it was unexpected from you, but you've just shown you've shown your cards. You've shown your cards, Daniel. Well done. I like it. Yeah. What's your number one? I'm not sure we're not going to be in uh, <laughs> in lockstep here. Yeah, in, in step here, but. My number one is obviously clearly Star Wars. So this movie has had the biggest impact on my life. I mean, this was a movie we watched over and over and over as kids. And and the trilogy, I mean, the first two movies especially, amazing. And I don't know if either of us didn't have, or all of us that we know didn't have all the figurines. I had a land speeder. I had an X-Wing. I've still got Millennium them Millennium Falcon. Like, <laughs> I bought them all again. I had a box. Well, I've still got them in the fucking cellophane. Yeah, he's, he got, does. he's got he them does. in the box. I had I had a box like a, a a briefcase that you open and you put all the figurines in there and I don't know whatever happened to it, it had the Star Wars mm. casing on the outside but this movie just was everything when we were kids it was it just it just spawned so much stuff I mean you had lightsabers all around the house you always had heaps of this stuff around it was amazing a, a huge impact yeah well I agree so my number one and I was going with making the rules up as I go here, and I had Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back as, as yeah, number I, one. Yeah, I couldn't split now, them. Now, you can't split them, but okay, I will split them. I think that Empire is a better movie than Star Wars, but you can't beat an origin story, right? And I think that I've watched Star Wars way more than any other movie in the Star Wars yep. canon. It's the first movie I can remember seeing at the cinemas. I think it was in 81, and it was before 80, uh, before... Uh, it was a re it was a re-release before the Empire Strikes Back came out. I remember seeing it at Hoyt's Twin. It is the reason I love movies. This movie is solely the reason that I love movies as much as I do. What this movie did for me as a kid, being able to come home from school. I didn't have a lot of mates in my street, so I just watched I would That's watch Star you Wars. Made them all dog shit to be in the Yoda club. <laughs> that, that, look, look, you started look, your own club. That may have been that may have been the reason. <laughs> But I didn't have a lot of mates in my street, so I'd watch Jaws or I'd watch Star Wars as a kid. They were the two movies that defined my childhood. And I still watch this movie regularly. Uh, 
I would shudder to think how many times I've seen it. The fact that we are covering this movie next week, we'll go into a hell of a lot more in depth about it. But even though Empire is quite clearly narratively a better movie and looks a better movie, Star Wars for me is easily my favourite movie of all time. Right from the start, when you know when the they're chasing the ship with Leia on it and Darth Vader storms out, and you just know he's so scary and so imperious. There, like the whole story just just drags you in. And you're right, like Empire is probably a better movie, and there's a bit more storyline to mm. it there. But even just the whole first movie, just the the lightsabers. I mean, you're hooked once the lightsaber fights are on. You're into it. Yeah, and if I say that, look, Empire would be in my top ten movies. But if I say that, well, this is a one is is Star Wars, and that includes you know, Empire as well. That's the reason I didn't put Empire in because I didn't want to put two movies from a, from the trilogy in. But yeah, it's it's world bu- it's world building. It's the characters again. It's characters you care about. Uh, it's George Lucas just at the top of his game. He never, well, he never really directed. He never directed a movie as good as this ever again since since Star Wars because he only directed the shitty uh, prequel trilogy. But for me, it's it's begins and ends with Star Wars. That's it. A hundred percent. Yeah. Can't agree more. Yeah. And and if it was on again, if it was on in the cinemas tomorrow, I'd be there. Yep. And with the three of us went and saw the the trilogy sequel. Welcome the trilogy. to Star Wars. Yeah, we well, we went and saw it at Hayden Orpheum. Me, that's uh, right. The three of us and Sloan. Remember, we sent and Morgs was going to try and backdoor it, but stayed for the three. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and it was still and it's still as good now. As what it was as it was it was then. There's no watching doubt. the three movies in a row. It's, and and you could sit there and watch them yeah. most. Yeah, yeah. Look, this is definitely the movie I've seen the most in my yeah. life. Yeah, one hundred percent. I've got to say, for me, Jaws is catching it. Yeah. I've watched a lot. I've watched Jaws a lot in the last ten years. Uh, thoughts, Daniel? Yeah, I love Star Wars. I love the Empire Strike Back. I can give or take Jedi these days, just because I've become more critical in my older age. But this, these films have been tainted for me by the absolute dribble that unfortunately came after them. So what was uh, would have been at, at most of my life, one and two, like you've just called, um, for Star Wars and Empire, unfortunately has slipped. Um, it would still feature very highly on my, uh, my top list for the pure enjoyment they've given me over the years, but I just can't go past how they've fucked it so badly. Over the over the years, and unfortunately, I can't look at it in isolation at this time. I'm sure in the future I can. I'm sure when I watch them again, which I will for the upcoming um, podcast we'll do on Star Wars, uh, and and I'm sure I'll be enthralled, and I'm sure my mind will be changed. But at the moment, I'm just every time I think of Star Wars, I think that I haven't seen the the last three films. I saw one of them and then didn't watch the other two. The um, they they were just such pieces of shit. So it's for me, it's just so blighted. It's it's had a spiral down effect on what were beloved films from our from our childhood. Yeah, see, I think the the amount of time between these movies has made it easier for me because I can certainly separate the first three into their own thing, and then you know the others came out a long time after. But it, you're right, like it, all the all the stuff afterwards does taint it a little bit. But still, this is this is just the the single or these two movies are the single. Most watched. Yeah, I reckon it's probably the movie I've seen the most out of, out of any. It's a demo, like eight. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's a huge amount of viewings. Um, Star Wars for sure, um, then Empire. But uh, yeah, I look. I, I can't argue with both of you at, uh, at different stages. It could be next week. I would. I would choose similarly, but um, not this time. 
Well, look, we've done it. We've we've named thirty movies with not many crossovers, to be honest. I think only two or three, maybe, and I expected a few more. But I I took a couple out because yeah. I I knew there'd be some crossover. Yeah, absolutely. Have and you got any special mentions? Oh yeah. Look, I've got a few notables, uh, which uh, where Dan put them all at the top uh, of his of his podcast. But I had Heat in in mine. Uh, I had Silence of the Lambs. I had Pulp Fiction, which I still remember seeing that in the cinema for the first time in a, a solo session with no one else in the movies and just blew my mind. Yeah. Inglorious Bastards, which we mentioned, Saving Private Ryan. Oh, Saving Private Ryan, yeah. for sure, yeah. Uh, and there's, look, there's probably 15 or 40 others, 15 to 40 others that could go. When, when, I, when I started a thing in the video shop where we had, like, recommended movie shelf, so we had the recommended movies, but then on another shelf we had staff picks. And I said to all the staff, I said, okay, you get to pick 10 movies and they get to go on these shelves and we'll stick them in your names, da-da-da. So my top 10 had 25 movies in it. So I had two shelves and everyone else had one shelf. So uh, it was, it's as I said, my top six could all be one. I love them all. Yeah. I had a few special mentions. Go for it. Pulp Fiction, No Country for Old Men, which we covered. Yeah. The Castle. Yeah, good one. Love it. Good oh, iconic Aussie movie. The Big Lebowski. Rocky or Rocky 2. Yes. And, of course, Porky's 1, Porky's 2, and Porky's 3. <laughs> Porky's Revenge. Uh, yeah. You started very strong with the, uh, you possess great skill. American Ninja. <laughs> so, uh, I, to be yeah. honest, I, I went through and watched the shorts of Revenge of the Ninja, and I haven't watched that since the – 80s since the 80s i don't think and it just took me straight back and then i started going through all the other ninja movies then i was like oh i remember that like the, like i said the octagon enter the ninja there's so many they, there's some rewatching coming yeah, up for sure it's got to be and we might cover some of them on born to watch in 2042 <laughs> revenge of the ninja the best dan well done piping in from uh a car park in southwest rocks on the mid north coast of new south wales we apologise for any technical difficulties with the sound there may have been, but uh, look, it was worth hanging in there and even for Wake and Fright. Yeah, it's a good exercise. I very, I very much enjoyed that. I agree with all of your choices. I think that I think you underscored aliens and we'll have words about that off air, but <laughs> uh, every, everything else, uh, look, I, I could have supplanted your 10 for my 10 for sure. They're all yeah. brilliant, brilliant flicks. So um, it's mine were merely a reflection of my viewing habits at the moment. But over the years, I've, I've loved those films dearly as well. And uh, you both chose exceptionally well. Well played. Yeah, I think there's 30 movies there that are well worth watching again. There's oh, no doubt. Some very, very good choices in there. Yeah, even sure. even Lost in Translation might be worth having a look at, Dan. I would highly encourage it, Fwitz. Get out there, check it out. <laughs> okay. Well, look, next week we are doing the big one for Star Wars Day coming out on May the 3rd. Ripe and ready for May the 4th will be Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope, which is Gowan and myself's number one and uh, somewhere in the, the top 20 or so for Dan. So it should be an interesting discussion that we have and it could very well be the longest podcast we ever do because there's plenty to talk about about this movie. Uh, my favourite, Gow's favourite, up there for Dan. Can't wait for Star Wars. But for now, thank you, Daniel, for piping in. Thanks for having me, boys. Good to see you both. Thank you. And Gao, well done. Great, great list. Thanks for having me. Have a great night, everyone. We'll speak to you soon. Yeah. We'll see you next week on The Line. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Born to Watch. To join us on our journey into some of our favourite movies of all time, 
you can find us on all good podcast networks like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, give us a five-star review and share with your friends. 